Today's podcast is sponsored by Tennessee Craft Beer Magazine. It's like cracking open your favorite craft brew. Yes, it is, DJ. Just like cracking open your favorite craft brew. And reading the can at the same time, but you get more information. A lot more information because they go in-depth into stories and things about what's happening in Tennessee that you normally don't get to hear and normally don't get to see if you're not from that region. From Memphis to Nashville to East Tennessee. Yeah, it's all there. It's like like, uh, you open the magazine, it's like cracking a beer open from each part of the state. That's right. You can find them online at tncraftbeermag.com. There you'll find digital copies of their magazine along with a statewide brewery map, events calendar, and you can even subscribe to their print edition from their website. Print like the my dad's New York Times? Exactly like your dad's New York Times, but about beer. Sign me up. <laughs> All right, DJ, we will do that. Tennessee Craft Beer Magazine. Again, find them online at tncraftbeermag.com. I'm halfway down in the bottom of a bottle and I ain't gonna change my way. But I ain't half bad when I do what I ought it don't happen much these days. To, uh, to press record. the record button. It does, it does have full uh, recording capacity. Yes, and it is recording. Okay, great. We're okay. actually recording right now. That's, 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 that's all I want to know. <laughs> Last time we got halfway through the podcast, we had to start back over. All good, all good. Well, hey guys, this is Chris Hill. <laughs> <laughs> this is DJ Loop. Um, and we are here at the Elkmont Exchange with Alex and Bethany. Guys, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, yeah, thank you all. Um, well, we're excited about this brewery coming to Knoxville. It's uh, been a while um, coming, and, and yeah, I'm just happy to have you guys here today. So, Alex, we'd love to talk to you just about the background that you have with Knoxville and what, how Elkmont got started and a little bit about your background. So, uh, Well, I grew up in Knoxville, and it's where I first started home brewing and then also had my first uh, professional job in beer at Smoky Mountain Brewery. Um, I nice. had... I was still 21 years old when I started, um, and it was right before going back to possibly four more years of college, but I made the, uh, the decision to pursue a career in beer instead. So um, great job for a 21-year-old kid with zero commercial brewing experience as Keg Slave at Smoky Mountain Brewery. And I would basically deliver, wash, and um, then re-deliver clean kegs to um, you know all of the different restaurants that are part of the uh, Copper Cellar Group. So I'd be going through like 100 kegs a day, just delivering them all around Knoxville and, uh, you know, then cleaning them out and bringing them back full of beer. So it was uh, definitely a very uh, physically demanding job, um, but I was able to talk some of the brewers into brewing their batches on Saturdays um, when I didn't have to do keg deliveries. And uh, that way I could kind of shadow them on the brew house and learn how to brew professionally. So uh, after about... I'd say two or three months of doing that, I was kind of trying to draw the bug. Hey, you could take a vacation. I know how to do it. Like, you probably want to go to the beach, right? And, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, so I picked up some of my first, like, solo brew shifts and just kind of floated around as, like, a floating brewer between the uh, different breweries. Uh, eventually settled in at Turkey Creek for a while and then made the decision to move to Colorado. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
So the decision to move Colorado, was that to pursue craft beer, I assume, or was uh, that... Definitely, yeah. So um, I saw the Denver-Boulder area as kind of like the center of craft beer. It was uh, the Brewers Association, the Great American Beer Festival, and just like the amount of high-quality breweries um, that were there at the time. I remember being in Knoxville, I would have to uh, make beer runs over to Asheville where I'd go to Brews and Ales and pick up like Avery and Great Divide beers and just be like, oh, this is so good. So I always had this... Uh, kind of like magical ring to it. Denver, Boulder is like this land of awesome breweries. So I figured uh, if I was going to do, uh, like fully pursue the beer career, I should probably go to um, where my favorite breweries at the time were and try and find a job. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And by the way, for, for those wondering where we are right now, we are actually in Elkmont, um, well, in the Elkmont Brewery, not in Elkmont and the Smokies. <laughs> um, we're actually in the brewery back where the brewers are working right now. So if you hear any background noise, that's what it is. But, but that's cool. So, so you made it to Colorado, and um, where, where did you land? Did you just start bartending, or did you find um, a brewery to jump into? Well, I had saved up a little bit of money and said I probably got about three weeks to a month before I just have to take a job doing something anywhere. And I had uh, an awesome uh, resume that I had made detailing all the experience at Smoky Mountain and a you know, a personal letter from Marty Vellis being like, I swear this guy will not, you know, brew terrible beer for you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I basically spiraled to every brewery that I could find starting in Denver and just expanding that radius around Denver and dropped off about 120 resumes um, during the course of like a week and a half and then just started following up and calling back and um, I had a few... Um, if you can't tell, Alex is very diligent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there was like three possibilities. One of them was a, um, a small brew pub that had been brewing about the same amount of beer forever. And I knew that they probably weren't going to be growing anytime soon. Um, but at the same time, the beers that they were brewing, they were hitting medals at JBF every single year. It was super solid brews. Um, another one was a, one of the larger breweries in the area, and it was going to be more of like a shift brewer job. And um, that seemed really attractive as well to get to learn how to use some really... Uh, just huge, awesome equipment and figure out how that stuff works. And then the third was a small startup um, where the, uh, the production manager at the time and head brewer um, barely even spoke English. But meeting with those guys, it was just clear that their, um, their ideas about beer and what they were trying to do were very much in line with what I wanted to do. So I started on at Upslope as the, uh, I guess, the first there was a guy there before me um, that was brewing beer, but he was like an intern for three months and going back to Jordan to start the first craft brewery in Jordan, oh, nice. like in the Middle East. Wow. So I took over from him when he left and went back to Jordan as you, a brewer there. You said that they had the same ideals and clear uh, concept of what you, that, and you guys kind of shared that vi same vision. Yeah, yeah. What was, those vision, that, what was that vision? Um, that they were a community brewery in the North Boulder area and that they wanted to operate a tasting room that was like a, kind of like a community hub, you know? It was like where you knew you'd go in and maybe see one of your neighbors drinking a beer, very casual atmosphere. And then their brew philosophy in general was to have a couple really stellar core brands, get them into cans, um, and then... Yeah send those cans out to stores because um, you're going to need to, you know, spread your beer around. They thought that was the best way um, with the outdoor, like, kind of culture that was in Colorado. Um, they had been, you know, backpacking and fly fishing and stuff in the air for a while, and taking bottles out there was just, yeah. it was not easy. And um, if you were getting Avery or Great Divide beer or whatever it was, left-hand beer at the time, um, it was all in bottles. Um, and the only brewery 
all canning brewery in Colorado at the time was Oscar Bliss, and they were right down the road from us. So we were the second all canning brewery in Colorado. So I think they were um, really onto something with that, making um, a good community atmosphere as well as have some uh, solid core beers that are um, very accessible and travel well in cans. Nice. Wow. Well, that's cool. So, so you're working at Upslope at this point, and then all of a sudden you meet Bethany, right? Yeah. Like, how, when, when did you meet Bethany? How did this happen? Because I know she's an integral part to the story. I, I better let Bethany tell this one. I really enjoy telling this story. <laughs> oh, please do. Um, so I actually work... Well, we, we have your daughter with yes, us today, yeah. too, right? Uh, our daughter is here. Uh, this is little Evelyn, so if you hear some little background, that's what, you'll, that's what it's going to be. But um, anyway, I worked... Uh, at a bakery that was actually right down the road from Upslope and uh, called Spruce Confections. And I used to trade pastries at the end of the day for free beer at Upslope. And I did that for about two years and got to know everybody that worked there as well as all the beers and everything like that. And then they decided to open up a second location. And I was the first person to apply putting my resume under a croissant, um, <laughs> fresh baked croissant, and I, <laughs> I was just like, oh, you know, just casually applying, don't mind my resume, don't mind the butter stains from all the, from the croissant, and um, yeah, it turned out to be the first person hired, and I was there for about two years, two and a half years in total, and started out working behind the bar, got into event coordinating, and then marketing assistant uh, when we left for Vietnam. Very cool. So, Vietnam? How yeah. did that? So, so you, you met her, she became marketing assistant for that, but Vietnam, where did that come from? Um, so, that, that, that was Bethany once again. So, oh, I wow. was um, actually running around giving a tour to some of the guys from Left Hand Brewing. And, um, you know, I was just kind of focused in the zone, talking to those guys, um, you know, sharing some beer ideas and actually specifically some laboratory ideas that we had. And Bethany came up and was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I really think you should meet this guy at the bar. I've been talking to him for the past hour, and um, he's starting a craft brewery in Vietnam, and I just think you should meet him. He's a cool guy. So. And at this point, Alex and I were already dating for about a year to a year and a half, and we were trying to play it cool. And nobody at Upslope knew, but in actuality, everybody at Upslope knew. <laughs> yeah, so she comes and, and pulls me off, says, you got to talk to this guy. So I duck out of the tour. I'm like, okay, Sam, he's going to show you around for a minute. I got to go say hey to somebody at the bar. Went over, ended up talking to John for about an hour and a half. And um, I was just really intrigued by all of his ideas and his passion and, you know, um, it just cool ideas for how you could bring craft beer to an, you know, an Asian country that didn't have any craft beer in it before. Um, so, like what connections? Of, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, I'll ask that question after, after the um, he finishes the story. After the story, okay. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, you, can, um, you can ask it now. I was say, what connections did he have to Vietnam? Um, so he had um, an uncle that lived there who had been there since 1992. Okay. And um, John had graduated from uh, university with a hospitality management degree, and his uncle was the owner of a nightclub in Saigon that happened to be <laughs> the largest nightclub in Saigon, and they really were having trouble tying their operations together. So it's like, well, my uh, nephew is 
you know, freshly out of college with his hospitality management degree, and you know, he's wanting to come out, so he went over and took off running that nightclub for six years and really you know, showed that um, you can come in, you can learn some of the language, learn how to uh, you know, operate an establishment, and um, he'd been doing that the whole time. He's trying to order craft beer because he's a big craft beer fan. And not only are there no breweries in Vietnam, but there's nobody importing it. So he just had this need. He saw all of these guests coming in that also wanted craft beer. And one day he said, you know what, I'm just going to start a brewery. So put together a business plan, um, found a couple people that were like, we'll invest a little bit in it. Um, so we had to have some very uh, humble beginnings, I guess. Um, but the only thing that he was missing at that point was a brewmaster, which is why he was out in Colorado where his brother lives. And uh, he was just visiting breweries looking for somebody who wanted to go to Vietnam and be a brewmaster. Um, the end of our conversation kind of left off with, um, could you do some consulting for me? And, um, you know, I, I'm leaving back to Vietnam tomorrow. I haven't found the right guy yet. So maybe you could stay here, be boots on the ground, and help me find and recruit a head brewer, and then possibly come out and do um, some consulting, spend a week, two weeks, three weeks in Vietnam and help him you know, maybe find a contract brewer that could, you know, yeah. work with them or help get some process set up. Um, so I was like, yeah, no problem, I'll do that. Get a paid <laughs> trip to Vietnam, sure. And uh, yeah. just send me all the details about, you know, the head brewer position and what you want me to, uh, you know, advertise for you. And when he sent it over, I was looking at it, I was just like, I'm going to be so jealous of whoever I find to take this job. I wonder <laughs> if I could just do it. So um, I talked to Bethany and said, so if I were to move to Vietnam, would you want to go? And she's like, Yes, of course, like we're doing this. So um, I called John back the next morning and said, uh, I know you're still in town for a little bit and we should have lunch together and kind of just said, hey, if we could go into this as business partners, I'd just do it myself. And he said, no problem, we're all good. Two months later, in Vietnam. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's, that's, that just seems like a whirlwind, like, like crazy. I mean, like, to me, it seems like something, just going to some place and like, that seems crazy to me, but to you, like in your mindset, it seemed it was perfectly logical. It, it all made sense. sense. It made yeah. sense. He I sent mean, me an awesome email. It had the links of things logical. to do, where you could probably live, how much it cost to live there, how we would get in and get our, you know, our work visas and all that kind of stuff. And it was. Um, he's also a, a very meticulous person that came through in the email. And I was like, this guy's the real deal. He's gonna make this work, and uh, I want to surround myself with people like that and go into business with them. So. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, good call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so now... So, um, so where in Vietnam was it, by the way? Um, it is in, well, we always said Saigon. So everybody okay. in Saigon says Saigon, but the, uh, the official name is now Ho Chi Minh City. Okay. There, there, was a, there was a big debate in trivia, Hops and Holler one time, about um, Ho Chi Minh City. But, okay. But the answer was Saigon. But the, the most tables gave the answer as Saigon. Saigon. Uh, okay. And there was we a, weren't there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, the people, like you said, the people call it that. Yeah. Saigon, but it's well, officially called. It's tough to have a city that's, that's existed for hundreds uh, yeah. and hundreds of years <laughs> and then come in one day and say, okay, we're calling it something different. So, so, um, so we, we, can, we can actually officially cool. use you as a trivia. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for your trivia, trivia knowledge, knowledge, you can yeah. answer. That's awesome. So, so then you start a brewery. What was the name of the brewery there? Uh, Pasteur Street Brewing Company. Pasteur Street Brewing Company. Yeah. So we were on. Wait for it, Pasteur Street, um, oh, right in downtown Saigon, um, and it's actually like one of only three or four roads that have uh, retained like a Western name. So it was, uh, you know, something 
easy to relate to for expats or international stuff. It, um, some of the Vietnamese words that you could put on there would just be unrecognizable to anybody that doesn't speak Vietnamese. So yeah. it seemed like it was kind of cool because uh, Vietnamese people recognized that name as being one of the major roads downtown. Uh, people internationally recognize, you know, Pasteur and the name behind that. Mm -hmm. And then icing on the cake is that Louis Pasteur wrote some of the first technical books on brewing, and that's always been a big focus of mine is, like, the laboratory side. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so had a lot of cool tie-ins, and um, just seemed like the right fit. That's cool. That's cool. And then so... So you were there, what year did you end up um, in investors? In August of 2014. I got to very cool, very cool. And then what were some of the challenges I can imagine in a country where there are no craft breweries, there are no craft beers really being imported, there's got to be some challenges around actually brewing the beer in the country and making something like that happen. 100% um, accurate. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, everything seemed like it was just a little bit harder. Um, you know, there was all the things from language barrier to not really understanding the ins and outs of business stuff to a, an entirely different culture to learn and see how that um, kind of fits into craft beer. But we were, you know, very pleasantly surprised to see that everybody's very receptive to it. And um, yeah, a lot of a lot of the same stuff that you see with craft beer here in the U.S. You um, you got people coming in that were looking to try something flavorful, having it, you know a new experience and just have a good time exploring some flavors. Yeah, that's so cool. And then, so you did that pasture starting 2014, starting to brew. We've got some beers here that look delicious. And I'm, 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 I'm eyeing DJ's them. eyeing them. And so, he, so I just got rejected from beer from my... my <laughs> no, my I was just house. saying, wait, I figured there was like a conversation to have oh, okay, okay. around the beer. That's that's all. That's all. <laughs> I'm not rejecting you from beer. Oh, heaven, man. Heaven forbid that. Um, but anyway, so, so you're doing all that. That's awesome. Um, how, how was the reception to the beer? I mean, I, I'm sure some people will recognize already Pasteur Street Brewing. They may recognize you from that. Um, like, how, how was the reception to that beer in Vietnam and then in the world? Um, it's been great so far. Um, we were very hesitant when we started up um, because we didn't know what that reception was going to be. So we had plans to buy, like, a, 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 you know, anywhere from a, a four to a ten barrel brew house. Um, but we were not willing to spend that money until we got our Sabco in and brewed a few kegs, opened up a tasting room, and invited some uh, bar managers and hotel managers down to try the beer and see if it was something they would even be interested in buying for their hotel or bar. So that was the idea behind our tasting room, was to have it just be a place where we could invite in um, people who would be buying our beer to serve it elsewhere. Um, so we opened the door to the tasting room, hoping that some of these guys come in and we can get some commitments for some tap handles and justify buying the brew house. Um, but our first day, we just were shoulder to shoulder inside the tasting room and sold out of all of our beer. Wow. Emergency, ran up to the brewery the next day, sold out of all the beer again. By Sunday, we were completely out and had to close. So I go back up and just brew for an entire week, but also say, this worked. Proof of concept worked. Let's find a brew house. So we... Um, went and found our four-barrel brew house and uh, bought it in Hanoi um, the Monday after that Sunday of the first weekend. Um, as soon as we paid for it, they immediately started ripping it out of the brew pub and 13... beer in the tank tanks still. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were just like, okay, well, you bought it. We're getting rid of... I guess the brew pub was shutting down or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they just started ripping it out immediately a day or two later. It was on a truck to Saigon and 13 days later, we were brewing our first batches on our four-barrel system. And from there, we were able to open seven days a week, and we saw that 
hey, there's a lot of people that just want to come in and drink a variety of craft beer. Um, reception was awesome. It started off as mostly expats and transitioned into mostly um, Vietnamese locals um, as people started discovering that we were there and what we were all about. Um, IPA was, I think, the most popular style consistently, no matter what, even in Vietnam. And oh, nice. um, then, yeah, reception internationally has been great. We um, were very fortunate to get a gold medal at the last World Beer Cup for our chocolate stout. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. I, I, and I remember, like, the buzz, like, in the Oxford Brew community, you'd have, you remember when you were at Upslope and, like, and you'd be at a bottle share and somebody Oh, cool! There's somebody from Knoxville at Upslope, and then when then the talk of you going to like be at bottle shares and stuff going on. So you've really been like kind of a kind of a buzz name and a buzz uh, uh, kind of talk worthy person in the Knoxville beer beer community for a little while. Very flattering, DJ. Thank you. So it's it's cool. It's really good to have you back. So it's great to be back. You know, kind of on that note, uh, I've been brewing um, all these beers that I'm so happy about at Upslope in Colorado, and I'm not able to get all those back to my friends and family. And then that situation is 10 times worse when you're now doing it in Vietnam. (laughs) And uh, it's really fun coming back and now being able to say, hey, friends, hey, family that have wanted to try my beers for so long, just come down the street. So, yeah, yeah, it's a really good homecoming, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, we're glad to have you back for sure. Um, So what did bring you back? After, after all that, it sounds like things are going well. Were you homesick? Were you ready to come back? Um, it was basically Evelyn's fault. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we thought, you know, we're going we're gonna to rock this out. You know, crazy, you know, growing this, you know, small business in a third world communist country, being parents for the first time, all that stuff. It was just, um, it became apparent that we needed to be back in the United States with some structure. Um, one specific, um, I guess, example I could you know, share was vaccines. You know, yeah. We got our CDC recommended vaccination schedule, and they literally didn't even have the vaccine in the country. So oh, we find a doctor in Singapore, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's like standard vaccine. We've all got it. Like, but um, that's the exact type of disease you would expect to catch if you were one month old at a Southeast Asian airport. So they're like, just don't get the vaccine, keep her at home and, you know, wait and get it later. And, you know, that decision was a decision that I just wasn't prepared to make. Like, what if you make the wrong choice? It's just like, you know, at that point we were like, okay, it's probably good to transition back. It did take us about five months to find, you know, another brewmaster and transition like our management structure into something that was going to be sustainable because we're still super proud and passionate about Pasteur Street and we'd love to be out there but yeah. at the same time I think being back in the U.S. is pretty good as well. Yeah. yeah. So you come back to Knoxville, you decide okay we've got to move back for the sake of Evelyn, it's just best for what we need as a family, let's move back to Knoxville. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm sure you wanted to create a brewery when you came back, was that part of your purpose in moving back to Knoxville or did that um, just kind of come out of... Well we didn't uh, originally decide um, to create a brewery or to maybe just find some jobs, you know, polish up the resumes and go. Uh, we had been doing startup business owner stuff for a while, and it is pretty stressful. So we we're sure. kind of like, hey, maybe if there's some cool jobs out there, we could do that. Um, but then at the end of the day, we were just like, okay, we've got some cool ideas. We really want to get them out there, and the best way to do that is to start another place. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, we went through a few iterations of what it was going to be. At one point, it was 
uh, a brewery out in the woods that just did packaging of some, you know, some crazy specialty beers. At one point, I was looking at what is, you know, a production brewery in Knoxville doing, you know, a lot of canning and stuff similar to what was going on at Upslope, and then kind of settled on Brewpub because of the opportunity to have like the whole experience. We were thinking if we're going to be doing this for a while, it's going to be great to have a place where you can show people what the brewery looks like, have them be a part of it, have a really um, like a kind of deep understanding of the people behind what they're drinking. So Brewpub seemed like the best way to, to make that happen. Plus, wow. our executive chef here uh, has been Alex's best friend since he was in about second grade, and he actually moved out to Vietnam shortly after us and did all the food for the tasting rooms at Pasteur Street as well. That's right. I, re- I remember, because um, we, we had talked previously about this, I think he had um, he had some very unique um, cooking like techniques or something, it was very hard for him to find the ingredients he needed for what he was cooking in Vietnam, correct? He had to churn his own butter out there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, And uh, we did... Make your own white bread. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) All that kind of stuff. Make your own pickles. Um, You know, that was one thing that kind of got him started was just realizing all the things that you had to make if you wanted to offer them. And um, I feel like his pickles were one of my favorite things that he had on that menu. And so, you don't even like pickles. Yeah, I don't even like pickles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so then he came back with you all to Knoxville? Yes. Okay, very cool. So, so you're here, you're Knoxville, and then you've chosen the name Elkmont Exchange for the brew pub. What, what drove that decision, and, and how did you all come up with that? Bethany, I'm sure that's a good one for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the biggest things that we missed when we were in Vietnam was the accessibility to the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vietnam has a lot of beautiful landscape, but when you're in Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, it's not there. It's at least mm-hmm. an overnight day trip from pretty much to get anywhere. Yep. So we really missed being outdoors, being in the wilderness, because we obviously got a lot of that in Colorado. Mm. And that was kind of the big thing. And when we were trying to think of the concept of, you know, everything Alex was saying that Upslope provided and what he really wanted to do with the brew pub here of just, like, have a community gathering place and all that stuff, we thought of Elkmont itself and, like, the Elkmont town and what the Wonderland Hotel and how historically it really brought a lot of outdoor enthusiasts together to kind of just hang out and be together in the wilderness. And we kind of wanted to extract from that and bring a similar idea with our beer and food and space in Knoxville. Wow. Yeah. Um, and on an additional level to that, you know, the, um, the, the level of the experience. So one thing that um, I really enjoy about um, having like 24 taps is that you can have um, something that's accessible to a whole lot of people. Um, You know, like you can have a light lager um, that, you know, if you're only a Bud Light drinker, maybe you're never going to like an IPA, but maybe a craft brewed light lager would be something that you are willing to give a shot and come in and enjoy the experience of drinking a beer where you can see the tank that it was made in. Um, That and then, you know, having all those taps, you can... um, you know, have these crazy barrel-aged experimental beers. You can rotate stuff in and out all the time. And Elkmont was kind of similar for me in that if you were starting like a three-day backpacking trip, that's a good place to start out. But if you're also got your grandma with you and you need a trail that's paved because she's got a walker, like there's awesome, beautiful nature there too. And it was kind of like the deeper level, I guess. Um, 
the same same experience in beer. A little bit of something for everyone. Just because we make crazy strong barrel aged beers doesn't mean we have to do only that. We can still have have all the variety. Yeah, that's that's cool. And and, and that that reminds me of Elkmont itself too, because I I've camped there many times over the years growing up, and um, you know that campground in the Smokies is just it's really unique and it's really different. And you can just camp there, stay there overnight. If you're just that kind of a person or a glamper, if you will, if you want the glamorous camping experience, I don't know if you've heard that before, DJ, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're, depending on your style, or you could be a hardcore backpacker and just wanting a stop on your hike, and um, either way, you kind of get that variety with that one campsite, so even at that deeper level, to your point, that that's really cool, so. Yeah, it just, it, it seemed like uh, Elkmont Exchange was the right fit for, yes. for the name and, and all that stuff, so. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, we got some neat beers here. Um, I, I guess tell us a little bit about your current beer selection and what y'all are going we finally for. Finally, get know... to do the beers. Yes, DJ. Oh, we get to do the beer. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about what we have here. And uh... um, yeah, so looks like she brought out the first one in line. If you guys want to give it a shot, it is our table beer. Table DJ beer. Had the first sip. Thank goodness. Jeez, I've been staring at them for a good hour. So this one's really fun. Um, lots of nice. yeah, lots of crazy organisms fermenting that beer. Um, lots of Britannomyces, and then it's finished off with a little bit of Saccharomyces. There's a little bit of a Belgian yeast strain thrown at the end, hmm. but it's um, I'd say 90% of the fermentation is done with Britannomyces um, in stainless steel. So it's not a barrel-aged wild beer. It's um, made in one of the tanks that you see from the dining room. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I like it. It's kind of designed to highlight uh, a lot of the fermentation characteristics of Britannomyces, and you get a lot of that kind of tropical fruitiness, really funky. Um, it just, uh, just Britannomyces yeah. character, I guess. Yeah, I can, uh, I can taste the uh, the funkiness and the. It's kind of a. Is is it a? Would you call it a? It's a table beer. Is that the style of beer, I guess? I'm, yeah, I'm not so, familiar with the table beer. Yeah, so it is the style of beer, and it's meant to be lower alcohol. Okay. So um, this batch, I think, rang in at, what, 3.5%? Um, so super low alcohol It's something that you're supposed to just sit and enjoy, being able to have two or three and yeah. you know, still have an intelligent conversation. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a table wine. And then what's this? Uh, the next ones are Hefeweizen. That's nice. It's very citrusy, and it's got a little of almost the uh, banana note. Yeah, and um, I think some hefs. I was really, uh, really happy with the way this Hefeweizen came out. It's um, When you think Hefeweizen, you think a lot of that, you know, banana, bubblegum, clove, and this one came through with quite a bit of citrus mm-hmm. and, um, and clove notes, and yeah, almost like a cross between a um, Hefeweizen and a wit. Um, a little bit lower on the banana, isoamyl type uh, aromas, but they're still there. And I was just really happy with the way that, that one came out. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, and then what do, we, what do we got here next? That looks like some IPA. Oh, yeah. That looks like the, uh, is that the multigrain IPA? Um, no. Yeah. It no, is not. Just, just that would be a little IPA. hazier. Yeah, that's true. I was really curious about the multigrain. I drank it all. Uh, I know. You drank it very quickly, too. <laughs> so it must be good. I've been depressed lately. Tennessee Coach and Jersey has got me drinking. <laughs> well, we're not a sports podcast, so. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I think I had this the last time we were here. 
So, quick question for you too. It's like, so you you leave, you go all these exotic great places, and you leave Knoxville beer culture with like Smoky Mountain Brewery, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, downtown Grown Brewery. Downtown Grown Brewery. Yeah. Then you come back to this, like what? Like what's what? Like just it's like Christmas. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, and I mean, even right now, just this neighborhood, there is, um, we're right here, and if, you know, um, you're kind of looking, you could stand on the roof at a high enough perch and look around, you know, you could almost, like, throw a baseball at Schultz Brow and uh, Crafty yeah. Bastard, and there's a place, Geezer's, is getting ready to open up right down the street. Um, there's rumors of two more brew pubs going in within, you know, a thousand feet. And yes. I think it might make it one of the most walkable brewery districts in the world that I can think of. There might be, you know, seven That's to eight breweries thought. that you could, um, you know, park at one and just walk around and hit seven or eight all in the same neighborhood. And I think um, it's a real cool opportunity to help, you know, develop the culture in an entire neighborhood around going to the breweries that are there. And um It'll be fun. Yeah. That's, come join us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely come to Knoxville. Um, well, neat. Okay, we got a, got a couple more beers here I want to check out. So this is amber in color. What is this one? That's the brown. This is the brown, okay. Which is my absolute favorite. Here you go, sir. Is this more of a traditional England English style brown or? Uh, no, very much an American, American style. Yeah. American style. Um, so yeah, coming in right around six point seven percent alcohol, and yeah. um, the uh, uh, some pretty nice. assertive roasty nutty yeah. notes for a brown ale, and then I like um, it though. I like, that's how relatively I like highly hopped for an American brown ale as well. Mm-hmm. I like the roasty kind of malty. That's very good. Not, not really malty, but the roasty notes. In I can see. I can. I, I can have several of those. Yeah, it's yes. um, it's got a six point seven. Oh no, um, it's yeah, a little bit higher in alcohol for your typical. It's definitely at the higher end of the spectrum. Also, the higher roast end of the spectrum, higher hop end of the spectrum. It's kind of like an all-out brown ale, but still just barely fitting into that style category. Yeah, um, but super fun one to brew, and I I love brown ales. So it's <laughs> yes, oh, that's delicious. And then this is a nice dark one. I think did I hear this is a pumpkin? No, that one no. is our um, smoke porter, um, which is also spiced. So, okay, I'll let DJ have the first sip. Hmm. Smells smells good. I always make fun of uh, uh, beer sampling podcast because mm-hmm. they put me to sleep. I mean, like okay. I, I, I want to hear stories about the beer. I want yeah, but yeah. we do sample though, so we, but we're not strictly sampling. We, we occasionally sample. <laughs> we'll occasionally have a sip. A sipping podcast where we just sit around yeah. and drink and those kind of devolve from time to time. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I have a sipping podcast and sometimes the sips lead into stories. I guess exactly. Yeah, the fireside chat. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a upcoming episode. We have so, to do the, the the thing is I make fun of tasting podcasts and then we, then we end up in um, always end up doing doing them all the time. Not all the time, but I mean we 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 typically sample like one beer. It's not like yeah. we're doing the whole episode on like. 50 different beers and talking about specific beers and their style versus another. We're not beers. We're not the, uh, we're not the snooty beer podcast. So we're the humble beer podcast. But anyways, all that to say, um, yeah, it's cool. Well, Alex, I I know you can't, um, do this alone and we'll probably take a break here in a minute, but 
Um, we'd love to get your brewers, um, the guy, if they're still here, we'd love to have a conversation with them. Yeah, I see uh, Aaron Jackson over there right now. I think Excellent. he's heading this way. No, you seem to be the very, you're, you're, you're like the chemistry and the kind of like uh, um, very kind of, you said you're very structured, you added 120, 20 resumes you put out and yeah. and like, and so, are you, so, do you still have that creative bug that that, that that you do, or do you like kind of ping people ideas off other people, or uh, all of that? So, I definitely, <laughs> still have the creative bug, and that's why I think I fell in love with brewing beer so much. It was mm -hmm. um, I never been much of an artist in any respect, but this is one area where I felt like I was really happy being creative and making new recipes and tweaking styles and. Um, I think there's a lot of creativity involved in just making a beer taste the same once you dial it in and you make it perfect. They're like tweaking it to make sure that your barley changes every year, your hops change every year, your equipment could change, you could get bigger tanks, and preserving that um, flavor that you had kind of locked in as perfect is also creative. But um, at Upslope and um, Pasteur Street, we would do anywhere from, I don't know, 80 to 100 new beers a year. So um, lots and lots of new styles, and as far as working with other people, if you're doing 80 to 100 different styles of beer here, you've got to be drawing on a pool of creativity. You can't, yeah. that all doesn't just come from you. And I think the, um, the best beers, best ideas for beers really come when you're just bouncing somebody, like have another brewer there yeah. that, um, that you enjoy working with, and you're just bouncing some ideas back and forth, and then all of a sudden it evolves into this uh, new beer recipe, so. it's cool. Yeah. Pretty fun process. One of those guys now is Jackson. Yeah. Hello. Jackson, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. Hey, big fan. Yeah, well, no, thank, thank you. Thank you. That's, that's exciting. Huh? <laughs> yeah. We always like having fans. That's, I, I'm always like, somebody listens to us? This is amazing. You guys get me through my uh, cardio workout at the gym. Oh, good. Good. We'll have to pick up the pace so he'll like, run faster. Exactly. Like somebody's listening besides your grandmother. Yes, yeah. I know. That's so awesome. <laughs> Makes me happy. But yeah, Jackson, thank you for joining us. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, um, when, when did you start brewing? Like, what, what got you here to Elkmont? Oh man. Um, well, I guess it all started in 2005 when I met Alex over here. We went to Maryville College together. Uh, we were fraternity brothers, so I've known Alex for like 12 years now. It's crazy, but um, I fell in love with craft beer actually through Alex um, and uh, our good friend Curtis uh, MacArthur. I'm sure most people know Curtis, um, but they always had fancy beer, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, at the fraternity parties, so... Um, everybody else is drinking natural light, Keystone. These guys had Sierra Nevada, Sweetwater, New Belgium, stuff like that. So that's really where I got introduced to craft beer and, and better beer and kind of what really good beer could be. Um, and then I fell in love with it when I went to Fort Collins, Colorado. Mm. My wife's sister lives there, my sister-in-law. Uh, we were dating at the time, but um, yeah, fell in love with that. Uh, craft beer there i mean there's a brewery it seems like on every every corner every block so yeah. really got to taste different styles and uh just grew from there came home started home brewing i've been home brewing for probably about eight or nine years and have always home brewed throughout the throughout this whole time and um i've worked 
in corporate before this for eight years um, and wanted to get into beer and Alex is just like, hey, come work for me. So here I am. So yeah. That's awesome. I think you landed in a good spot. I do, I do too. Yeah, it's a good place to start, you know? <laughs> I think you're going to learn a lot here. I do too, yeah. That's so cool. So, so now you're here. Um, what have you learned since you've been here, like coming from corporate America? I've, I've got a background in corporate America as well, so I, I know it's a big difference going from a corporate job to being a brewer. What, what have you learned that's maybe different from working in a corporate job? Um, when you're a brewer, at least working for Alex and Chris, um, you're kind of entrusted to do more than typically the corporate world mm. trusts you with. They say, here's task A, this is exactly how we want it done. Um, I'll check on you in five minutes, and I'll check on you in five more minutes. But here, you know, we kind of have a, Chris and I start each day with a, with a checklist, a task list that we want to get done, and then you just kind of attack it. Yeah. You can do certain things first, you can do certain things later, to an extent, yeah. but um, it, it's, it's a little bit more laid back. Um, it's also way more physical. I'm not sitting for eight hours a day, so lifting grain bags and moving kegs is definitely, definitely a lot different, but I would just say the overall atmosphere of, of just being a bit more laid back and, and being trusted to take care of tasks in whatever way you see fit. There's a lot more creativity here. Yeah. And your tasks are beer. And beer, yeah. <laughs> By the way, beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that always helps at the end of the day, too. Right? Yeah. So funny. I'd be like, man, I really need a beer after work today. And like, it's like, oh, wait. That's yeah. what I did for work today. It's a good feeling. That's actually a good point. Um, one of the big differences is the reward here. Um, mm. I felt like in corporate America, my reward was my paycheck. You know, that every two weeks you get money. But here it's nice to have something at the end of the day. And I have something tangible that I can hold and taste and just kind of, you know, Knoxville's named the Maker City, so kind of having that just ability to create something, to put something out that's not yeah. an email or in the cloud or whatever. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I said, I've, I've, we've done all these, all these interviews and I've talked to hundreds of brewers, and it's like at the end, at the end of their day, like you, you, I mean, at the end of a normal working day, like I deal with flooring and stuff. I'm like, man, I don't want to even work even think about it, right? Right. Or, or whatever you deal with, or some people do, do with this or that, and they go, I just want to, if I'm an accountant, I don't want to go home and add or do any more accounting stuff, whatever accountants right. right. I don't know, accountants <laughs> pretty much add all, all the time. Day, exactly. They never stop. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. <laughs> Mathematics. <laughs> but anyway, so, like, but I've never heard a brewer, man. Like, they get off their shift at work, or they're at the brewery, I'm like, man, I don't want a beer. Like, yeah. That's never, <laughs> it's like, I, I, I can say every brewer that I know, after they get off work, they want to they want to drink what they've just made or drink one of one of their products just to make just to quality control at least. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the uh, the best way to understand the beers that you make is by drinking them um, and drinking them on a regular basis. Um, that was when I was setting up sensory programs at um, Upslope in particular. Um, you would think that maybe your your head brewer or your weed brewers or your technical brewer or even the assistant brewers or the experimental brewer would have been the best at determining differences in the beers or tasting it and being like, this one's off or this one, you know, has, you know, a, a slight difference from this, but no real off flavors. It's just a little different. Um, 
but all of the um, the tastings and all the panels that we did, we found out that the guys canning our beer um, mm. had the best palates for the beer. And I was like, this makes total sense. You know, they're standing there smelling the beer coming out of the, you know, <laughs> on the canning line for eight hours a day where the brewers are smelling the hops and the barley and the wort mm. and moving around. Mm. But if you're on the canning line, you just smell the beer. There's beer spilling on you. There's beer everywhere. You smell it. And um, at the end of the day, all those low-filled cans you take home and drink. <laughs> so it's like that mental connection of smelling it, seeing it all day long, then that night drinking it, tasting the flavor, and you kind of tie it all together. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's a big part of it as a brewer. We can go to the bar and pull a beer and say, oh, this tastes perfect, or say, hey, I think there might be something not perfect about this. And, you know, you can come yeah. back and, you know, diagnose a problem. So it's kind of cool um, when you're not distributing your beer um, way outside of the brewery, the amount of uh, attention that the brewers get to place on it. There's a very good chance if you have a beer um, here at Elkmont that one of the brewers has had a beer off of that tap handle within the past day or so. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So... So bringing bringing it back to Knoxville, bringing it back to um, to all of that, you've you've brought a lot of experience with you from your other breweries and from you know elsewhere in the world, literally back to Knoxville with the whole you. World. And and now it's been cool world. to see like you've come in and like you've helped with the Brewers Association. You've, you've made some immediate contributions there, and all that's been really cool to see. But are there are there anything anything coming up that like if you're a brewer or if you're a, um, a craft beer lover and wanting to get more into the craft beer scene that you should know about, maybe that's going on here or elsewhere in Knoxville? I would say probably the Humble Beer Podcast. Okay. Okay, that's a good, good one. Answer. Good I answer. love that one. That's the only answer. That's <laughs> no, um, no just get out there and visit, visit your local breweries and make it a point that if you're buying a six-pack, buy a six-pack of a Knoxville brewed beer. Yep. And if not, you know, um, if you can, buy it directly from the brewery instead of going to a pilot. Um, you know, uh, just go and visit your local tap rooms, hang out, expand the community. Um, that's really the biggest thing that you can do um, to promote more breweries and better beer in your area is by supporting it. Yeah. Um, I'd say second to that, you could um, go to some of the, like the Knoxville Area Brewers Association or the Pink Boot Society is having a meeting tonight in our, yeah. um, in our private events room. Um, <clears throat> and there's any number of those organizations. What are maybe some other ones? The Tennessee Valley Homebrewers. Yeah, well, um, great. that's what I was they, you know, yeah, like, They've always helped us out a lot. And they've always helped us out social media-wise. Oh, yeah, super they've been nice great guys. on social media. But yeah, um, yeah, and these are all groups that you can go into, and nobody there is going to be judgmental. They're just going to be like, oh, another person that wants to learn about craft beer. They're not going to say, oh, you're just getting into it, and you don't know what kind of hop this is. Go yeah. away. It's a very accepting group, and I think that's why um, craft beers continue to be so popular. It's that um, very accessible, um, you know, warning type culture. It's not, um, you know, maybe a snooty wine thing where oh, I can't believe he would order this bottle and didn't yeah. do this with the presentation. It's more. It's fun. It's every day. Yeah. It's a uh, beer. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, very cool. Well, um, we'll we'll wrap it up, I guess, with this. Um, what can people, what, what's coming up, I guess, for Elkmont? How can people get involved here? And maybe this is something we need Bethany for. I don't know. We may need to beckon her over. Um, well, also well, to, oh, go ahead. to to kind of segue on what Alex is saying, you know, he just made a lot of great points. Um, and kind of segue into your point, uh, go to the Beer Fest. 
Um, there are brownie beer fest. Brownie beer fest. Yeah, brownie beer fest Sunday. Plug in it. Yeah, but, plug. Um, yeah, go to beer fest. I mean, I remember it seemed like you know when eight or nine years ago when I started going to Brews Jam, that was kind of the only thing. That was mm-hmm. the only really, at least the big one that everyone knew and kept up with. But now it seems like there's there's multiple beer fests. Um, every season for different causes, charities, but that's a good spot to try Knoxville beers, as Alex said, and also to get that interaction with the brewers. You know, that's a good time to take a break from sampling or while you're sampling, just just talk to these guys. Everyone in the Knox beer community is is amazing, especially the brewers. So, you know, interact cool. with them at these beer fests. That's a that's a good point of contact. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, so I think as far as events, let's see. Uh, basically, every Monday. Um, Jackson, myself, and Chris are hanging out here um, starting about 4.30 when we uh, clock out for the day okay. and uh, just hanging out drinking beer. It's also our beer release day. Okay. So um, most Mondays, um, if not every Monday, we'll have something new on tap and we just kind of hang out and talk about beer over in the uh, the brewery area. So and that's so actually we'll a good day too because there's a lot of breweries in town that are closed that day. Yeah. So kind of, uh, and that's a lot of day where there's not all that many. I don't think there's many specials or anything going around town. Not much doing going on a Monday. Good place, good time. That's uh, that's kind of where it started. I was hanging out here with um, Aaron from Crafty Bastard and with Adam from Alliance, and we were just you know they had a collaboration beer that's coming out today. But I got can a day early, so they brought one over, and that was kind of kind of the vibe. You know, it was like, hey, bring over some beers, let's hang out, just talk about beer centric stuff, and just have fun with it. So. Yeah. Um, it's really nice having a place where you can go and just everybody is passionate about craft beer and super knowledgeable and wanting to share ideas and just build that community. So, yeah, yeah I mean, um, that's one thing that just kind of goes on basically every Monday around yeah. here. And then specific events, I know that um, Bethany has a couple. Yeah, uh, we're going to have kind of a big party coming up in January on January 8th, which, which is also a Monday which is kind of going to be like a grand opening, but it's kind of just going to be like what we're going to call it is like the welcome adventure kickoff. Welcome adventure is kind of like our tagline, and uh, we're also going to be trying to get some package beer out, have all 24 of our taps filled up, and have our official ribbon cutting from the city, and uh, just kind of do a bunch of fun stuff all throughout that day. And uh, we do some membership classes with REI, and they're gonna do like a winter ba- or winter camping basics class that night. And oh, fun! So we're gonna kind of do a little bit of everything we're all about all day, as well as get some of the local artists that helped make some of the really conversation custom pieces for the, our space um, coming Very in cool. and talking about what they do and all that. Yeah, cool a stuff. lot of the uh, the makers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then um, that. The REI stuff that's ongoing? Yeah, REI is ongoing, so they've got a couple coming up. Um, and it's on their website. You have yeah. to be an REI member too, right? Uh, actually, you don't have to be an REI member, I just found out. So we were Ooh. originally just having it for REI members, but we decided to make it members or non-members can all come. And uh, we have map and compass classes, the winter camping classes, like different mm-hmm. hikes and... You know, hiking the Appalachian Trail or how to have the best outdoor ethics and all of that kind of stuff as well. So, and then we're going to be doing um, Winter Beer Fest um, and all different types of all that stuff as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah, I think like 
early next year, you know, um, we're, we're planning on like first week of January getting the cans out. So look for a whole bunch of cans. We got, um, canning wine, um, that is designed to be able to can a small amount of beer from basically every batch that we brew. So with 24 taps, you could expect to see, um, you know, at least 24 different beers and six packs in that cooler. So it'll take a little bit of time for us to actually get that many different beers into cans, but hopefully by, you know, you're looking at end of February or so, having all those, and um, we'll have our first three in the first week of January. So will I be able to come here to buy? Obviously, I'll be able to buy the cans here, but is there anywhere else around town that's going to have them? Um, We haven't planned any distribution yet, Um, but, you know, that's always a possibility. We'll see how it goes. Sure. See how thirsty everyone is. (laughs) (laughs) Just... I really love the, you guys, the, the concept and stuff where I can take my wife here and have a nice dinner, or also I can pop in after work. I just work right down the street. I can walk here from work. Yeah, there's, a, there's quite a few guys from your work that come down here hey, you, every you, Friday before yeah, band practice. You get off at 4.30. Yeah, exactly. So I like the fact that I can pop down here after work and have a beer, but also I can bring my wife down here for a nice dinner yeah. and uh, a date. So it's, it, I, like the, I like the kind of... Multi, multi-concept here. Like, yeah. works out real great. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, very cool. Well, we're we're outside of obviously physically coming down to um, central. Is it central or Broadway that you all are off of? Uh, we are off of Broadway. 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 So coming coming down, it's basically right after Central meets Broadway in Knoxville, headed out of downtown on Broadway. Um, outside of that physical location, where can people find you online? How can we find you on social media? It is uh, our website's elkmontexchange.com, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Elkmont Exchange. All one word. All one word, all lowercase, same tag for all three. And awesome. yeah, Welcome Adventure is kind of the tagline that we're going for, or the hashtag, or whatever you want to do with that, too. So, okay. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, thank you guys so much, Alex. Thank you for coming back to Knoxville. We're glad uh, to have you back. It's great to be here. All and right. um, Bethany, thank you. I want to ask them. The, the, thank the, you guys for coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting. Let's yeah, we've got a we got a new question that we're well. It's not new anymore. It's like fourth episode okay. that we've asked this. But our last question, final question for you is: What's in your beer fridge right now? Ah, uh, pasta, Bethany. <laughs> no, we got a we got a burial bottle that we've oh, been nice. waiting to crack that was given to us by a friend and a um, bunch of two hearted. And a bunch of two-hearted. Yeah, okay. you gotta gotta support the brother. He's uh, the weed forecasting analyst at Bell, so he's uh, wow. kind of determines where all the two-hearted goes. And I think he's seeing a spike I mean, in Knoxville these I'll days. Say, I'll say, uh, my fridge <laughs> could be clearly going to be. We've got a, a bottle of Seaclo Stout on top of the fridge that yeah. we're waiting to crack at some point. That's the uh, the chocolate stout that um, got the uh, the World Beer Cup gold medal from Pasteur Street. So it's nice. one of the original batch bottles um, that we've been saving for the right time. Nice. Um, what else is in the beer fridge? Uh, um, we just kind of rotate kind of right through now. Yeah. a bunch of growlers. We have a bunch of growlers in our car to fill up before we leave here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but, awesome. uh, by the way, before I, I, I do have to do this before I, I told him I'd give him a shout out. And I can't remember his name. I should. I should. You said you were going to give him a shout out, so you should probably remember. Thirty seconds. I was working at the beer market. Okay, so random dude you met for thirty seconds. No, he was a shift brewer or he was assistant brewer for a mantra. Okay, and he gave me he gave me like seven, eight beers for free because he had them. He goes, he goes, I was stopping by, and he goes, and I was. That's why you said you had mantra beer that you wanted to share. Yes, I do. So, 
Super nice guy. He gave me free beer. If he, I can't remember his name, that's one of the reasons why I want to give him a shout out too. Because if he was, if he happened to listen to this, I mean, so, we, so, we so random him. assistant brewer <laughs> at Mantra that gave DJ can, free beer. Thank you, A and B. Because we're drinking on the podcast. Tag us, like, tag. like comment on Twitter, social media, anywhere. <laughs> hit us up. Let us know your name. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about your next podcast. We'll, we'll while talk we're about your about next podcast. And once we actually get out to Mantra, we'll interview you. Yeah, exactly. Specifically, so <laughs> make sure you All get right. seen. All right. Well, cool. Well, Alex, thank you. And Bethany, thank you um, for being on today, guys. Um, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, with that said, this has been Chris Hill. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for you to say DJ. Oh, my bad. I said Chris. Oh, DJ. Oh, my bad. Want to try one more time? <laughs> sure, we'll try and edit it back in. If not, we'll just look like idiots. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, this has been Chris. This has been DJ. And remember to stay humble. And try to be. All right. Thank you, guys. I just thought you were going all the way through with it. Awesome. Awesome. Halfway down in the bottom of.